recorded live from the fabulous Fetter Building in Rochester, New York. Welcome to Trans Stories. I'm your host, Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are she, her. And in this podcast, we'll be telling the stories of transgender, non-binary, and gender expansive people from around the globe. While many of our stories and experiences are similar, all of our life experiences are unique unto ourselves. And in this age of transphobia and discrimination, I want to provide a place where our stories can be told and documented in a way that provides us the space to do so on our terms. My first guest I met on my most recent trip to London, England in December of 2019. I had the opportunity to co-host a weekly comedy show in London with comedy producer Kyle Wallace. And I had the distinct pleasure of introducing and meeting our guest tonight, Jordan Gray. She came to fame on The Voice UK edition in 2016 as the show's first ever transgender contestant, reaching the semifinals on Team Paloma. Now I stood in your shadow. Now I watched it grow. And it's shaken and it's driven me. Let me know, let me know, let me know. She also featured in the music video for Paloma Faith's Warrior after 10 years in the music industry, touring and recording under the stage name of Tall Dark Friend. Jordan moved into stand-up comedy on April 1st of 2017, and her boob job and upcoming nuptials were the focus of a 2018 ITV1 documentary called Transformation Street. Welcome, Jordan. Thanks for joining us here for um, Trans Stories. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's really a pleasure and a privilege. You, you've been very nice and obliging, and it's nice to finally join you on your very own show. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that. You know, we didn't get a great amount of time to talk back in December when we met, but, you know, one of the things that struck me very much about you is how comfortable you are as yourself these days. So, you know, how did that, you know, we'll get into the backstory but you know how did you get there you know because I mean quite frankly you you took off your top and did your whole set topless so I I admired that (laughs) thank you you know what I I think people they say life is short but I think most people just say that without really thinking it or believing it when you actually realize it's true and you suddenly go oh my goodness yes life really is short everything becomes a lot easier Um, and I'm sort of I like to think in the back of my mind it is my job to make people feel more comfortable about the transgender situation we're all here for a short time I'd like to affect as much positive change as I can but I'm a comedian I'm not a genius I'm just a comedian so my way of doing that is to make people laugh and maybe I don't know gasp their way through an evening Um, but we had a good time didn't we that was a really good gig yeah that was a lot of fun and I love GMB comedy and Kyle what he does over there Kyle Wallace and so you know the few times that I've been over and you know Kyle's welcomed me with open arms as an American transgender comic and so I've been really fortunate to fall in with with Kyle and you know makes and I've made some good friends over there you know I consider you a friend and then also Jenny B-side and then you know I actually brought like three or four of my English friends to a few of my shows over there so I've, you know, it's, it's, I've been very welcomed by the English community, you know, within the LGBTQ circles. And I also feel while there are issues revolving around gender and gender critical people in the UK, I think overall, you're probably about a half step ahead of where we're at here in the United States on gender issues. So I feel very comfortable there, but, you know, but like anything, I still need to be careful because there are still idiots everywhere. There are. I, I like to think that the news that we see on our especially on our telephones, on our smartphones, 
it's just a very small pinpoint of reality that uh, is being forced in our direction to make us more nervous because that makes us use social media more. And obviously, who benefits from that? People that own social media companies. Yeah. Um, it was really that you you uh, have made waves in the UK. Yes, it's really cool because we didn't get we we haven't had many visiting uh, comedians from abroad to DMB, so that's really nice as well. That you know you you set a very high standard. It's cool. Uh, you're you're being way too kind, and you know I look at my calendar this year with travel opportunities, and they're um, far and few between. So I'm going to try to plan something for the summer or fall. So when I when I get okay. another when I get more dates, I'll let you know. How's that? That sounds brilliant. Yeah, let's collaborate on something. We can both get our tops off, shall we? <laughs> I, I I like that idea a lot. But let's. But you're here to talk about your transformation story. So Jordan, tell yeah. us tell us you know going in the way back machine. How how did you get to where you're at today? And, you know, I think all the way through, uh, uh, we call it junior school here. I think, is it different there? You have you have kindergarten and junior school and senior school. It wasn't that I didn't feel like a boy. I just, I didn't feel like a, anything. I felt a bit of an alien, to be fair. Um, and I think that was only ever exacerbated by the fact that all I ever wanted to do was sing, sing songs and, and write and sing songs. It was very insular sort of little person, very genderless insular little person. Um, with a very open and liberal mother and sort of a very conservative dad who, you know, he's very supportive but didn't understand why I was being so creative. And in, you know, older people's minds, creativity and, I don't know, the LGBT spectrum almost seem interchangeable, don't they? They think, oh, if you're in the art, then you must be a little bit, ah, whatever that means to them. Yep. Um, so it always felt like a, a strange uh, guilt that I had for wanting to be creative. And then, of course, the artistic world, the world of comedy and music, it's so liberal and so welcoming overall that, that coming out as transgender or indeed homosexual or anything, it's a lot, it's a much softer landing. So for me, I, I realise I've been very, very, uh, I'm very grateful that it's been easier than I hear it is for a lot of people. You know? It's not without it difficulties being sort of in the public eye especially on reality television and stuff but at the same time um my immediate circle of friends are wonderful they always have been and i expect they always will be you mentioned in the public eye there so real quick you know you do have some sort of profile since you were on the voice and now you do have your online series with um comedy central there in the uk are you recognized by the general public or are you still able to maintain that anonymity and go through your life pretty much unmolested I think it's, uh, I'm recognised very much in certain circles and then I have a, a broader anonymity, which I'm grateful for now. Uh, it, it's the case that it's, it's quite a far-reaching television programme that's designed to appeal to all kinds of people. And when you are, I suppose, the first of anything, I, I happen to be the first trans person on the show, you become a bit of a political object. You know, you can just pop up in conversation. People say, oh, well, you know, there's a trans person on The Voice now, so what does that mean? Um, but because of that, I've welcomed into the uh, the transgender community, the UK, uh, you know, the uh, transgender people in the public eye. I see them a lot more now than I would have done otherwise. I'm invited on a lot of panels to talk. I go into schools and things. Um, and now this Comedy Central UK show, Transaction, uh, they've allowed me to do something amazing. They've, they've the first sort of show of its kind where you've got this very down to earth very flawed trans person in the in this comedy role i've not seen anything like that before so i'm so grateful that they allowed us to do that 
Yeah, and I've I've watched both episodes, or we're up to three now. I I think I need to watch this week's. How many are released? Yeah, they, they, it's, um, they come out every Wednesday. We're on number three, and they are very very short short form shows. So it's kind of like if if people like these, then we're allowed to make a full half an hour TV pilot. So these are just tasters. Gotcha. No, I love it, and what I like about it is that your sense of humor reclaims a lot of things in there for the transgender community that, you know, over the last few years, especially as I've been coming out, have been viewed as slurs. And so that comedies, you know, I think right on the edge of what is acceptable when related to our community. And so talk about how you fit that into the show and, and into your character. So that way it works for you, but yet it doesn't come off as super offensive, at least not in my opinion. Yeah, thank you so much for saying that. That it really is the case. It, it's all done with so much uh, love, and I, I hope to say it, it's done with a lot of care. But um, I'm a comedian first and a trans person second, so my job is to elicit the kind of laughter I want, which is real authentic laughter. Maybe it makes you think about stuff, but ultimately it just makes you very comfortable with what you're seeing. Um, and then my duty to the transgender community is not to be too broad with it i would be offended if i saw the, the, the transgender jokes i find most offensive are the ones that are just lazy and rubbish <laughs> you know what i mean um, oh yeah. If they're very, yeah they're cleverly done it's it's a joy yeah and you know i don't know if you saw sticks and stones here by dave Chappelle last year but you know I he did, yeah, yeah he, i thought he had a really clever joke in there about you know being in the car with the lgbtq community and the transgender person's bathroom wasn't for another four states and that's because <laughs> you know that's a clever joke that shows empathy and understanding for our plight but then when he comes yeah. out when he ends that set and says being born in, with the wrong body the wrong brain however he words it that's just funny and i'm going to continue to make fun of that and make jokes of it now that that's just lazy and stupid and i think and i think what gets lost in our community and through people on the left and people on the right is we just focus on these extremes but even within dave dave set there and his and that joke there was some cleverness part of it that got lost in it and i and i feel bad for that because that's really our plight here in the United States. And I'm not sure in the UK, I haven't had that issue. I don't know if you worry about going to the bathroom there, but tell you what, when I'm driving around on, um, you know, we call them interstates here and the throughway and everything, I worry about where I'm going to go to bathroom, go to the restroom in the public, in, pu in public. So I don't know. I'm rambling now. Yeah, no, no, that, that's really poignant. Actually, I was having that conversation with my wife uh, yesterday. We were talking about really wanting to visit and drive down Route 66, you know, that romantic idea for us, Brit, that really is a romantic idea heading to Vegas. Um, and I said, my only reservation would be, I'd be worried just about those little uh, those little places out in the sticks, you know, those little tiny motels, because I, I really wouldn't be sure. I, I, I don't want to make any uh, you know, preconceptions about them, but uh, those stories, they, they scare me a bit. Um, so, yeah, to, to know that that's the case, I mean, it is different here. It does feel like things are a bit different. Uh, the the rise of the far right does feel like it's a real thing that's happening all over the world. But uh, as you say, really, there's idiots everywhere. I think things are changing for the better. Uh, and they will always be scarier in remote, isolated areas of the world, won't they? You know, that south, that southern, the southern states. I mean, they are isolated places, aren't they, these little towns I, I, out there in the middle of the 
I don't like the word isolated, but I think, you know, there's this rural mentality here in the United States. We talk about this on our other podcast, Transformation Thursday. You know, a lot of these people, you know, they don't have the exposure to different groups of people. And so they don't have that day in and day out in their life like you do if you live in a New York City, a San Francisco, or heck, even here in Rochester, which is only... You know, a city of just over, you know, our whole metro area is barely a million people, but, you know, the city itself is about 200,000. So, you know, but we have a pretty large, robust LGBTQ community and within that a pretty large gender expansive and trans community. So, you know, you get that rural area, they just don't have the exposure to it. And, you know, it's, and I think a lot of it comes down to exposure when somebody meets somebody that they're not aware of and who they're not familiar with and they're like, oh, you're just like another person. Your experiences are a little bit different. So, you know, but I think you would be safe in the South traveling. You have a high, I would say you have a high degree of cis passing privilege. And so I think, I think you would be okay. Um, especially with that English accent. Um, nobody's really, you know, you just come off as a posh English woman and nobody's going to bother you here. So that's the way I would look at it. Yeah. It's always been a dream to visit, you know, and try and get something going on out there obviously sort of the, the birthplace of stand-up really it's definitely an american art form we do our own little thing with it here but i've always thought of it as being a very american thing um i do think that these rural areas as you say there is always um a sort of a general more conservative viewpoint that's held there basically wanting to keep things the way that they are um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing except when it expands to you know people's rights and and then you know expanding sexuality being stopped um i can definitely relate to the fear of change because that's actually what transphobia means on on a on a grammatical level it's a phobia of of change transformation that i can relate to of course it's it's trying to connect with somebody and say look i understand it's strange that things are changing so fast let me guide you through that with a little bit of a giggle and something comfortable. You know, I want, I love to make people laugh that might not necessarily want to talk to me because it breaks down every barrier they have. And then all of a sudden we're experiencing the same physical emotion. We're both laughing, which shows that we're the same species, at least, you know, it's something. Laughter really does connect people, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And I think, you know, you bring this up a lot in your comedy from what I've seen and I've addressed it in mine as well. You know, you know, like I had a friend of mine recently, I've worked this into my set where he's like, oh, Amy, you have a girlfriend now. What is she? And I'm like, human, you know, and so, you know, and you get that chuckle and people are like, oh, yeah, you know, but really the question is, is she transgender? And I just refuse to answer that for people because then people kind of realize it's none of their business. But, you know, but I like what you said there about transphobia. And, you know, if you look at that as that fear of change, you know, as you look back on your life, you know, what what scared you about transitioning to who you really are today? I think uh, always, always just the subconscious image of my father's disapproval. Um, which I have to say was completely unfounded because when I, I, I was so scared, I actually texted him and he texted back immediately to say, you're always going to be my child, um, which is a wonderful thing to hear. Um, so I think really, uh, I say I've had it easier than most. Um, I have to put my hands up and say that the, the artistic community, that the, I was doing music for 10 years before I moved into comedy in the world of music. Uh, it was basically like, I think I turned up one day and I had some earrings and it's essentially like, oh, well, Jordan is, is being David Bowie today. Jordan is being, you know, uh, well, who was the lead singer of T-Rex? Bit, uh, Mark, Mark, Bolan, Mark Boland today. You know, it's a bit of an effeminate look. Very, very easy to, to uh, you know, inch by inch kind of <laughs> claim your gender in the artistic community. 
different for people in other walks of life. Um, I think the fear of being miserable for the rest of my life very quickly overtook the fear of coming out, and then it, it became a lot easier. Now, you, you're married now. Did you know your wife pre-transition, or is it, or did your relationship with her start after you tr- started to transition? Right after I transitioned, it was at a Sparkle Festival, which is a, a national transgender festival, a uh, music festival. I happened to be performing. She came in, having never seen or met a transgender person before. I think she came in because it was the only place still serving alcohol, and she saw me on stage, apparently, and then messaged me and uh, proposed to me at the same festival two years later. So, uh, she's a wonderfully remarkable, open person. Uh, we, I don't know how, how you find it with your your wife talking. We we very rarely bring it up in conversation because there's no cause for it. It's only when other people become involved that you remember. <laughs> You know, that, that we, we hardly ever talk about transgender things uh, when we're in our own company. Yeah, with, with my ex, well, she's my ex-wife now. As our relationship has evolved, me being transgender has really become less and less a focus of our relationship. Our yeah. focus on our relationship as exes now is more on how do we parent our children, um, one who's away at university and one that's currently 11 years old in the fifth grade here in middle school. So how, you know, our focus is on our child and how we provide our children the best possible outcomes dealing with, you know, my transition and my div- and our divorce. And quite frankly, the divorce is the harder issue than me being transgender. So that's the interesting thing. And I am uh, living with my girlfriend now and she has a transgender child. So it works out well because we don't have to explain being transgender to each other. We just get it and we just we just live our life. And like you said, it doesn't come up very often unless it's, you know, we're talking about me doing a podcast or a show or something or, you know, there's something stupid somebody says in society. But we're just a couple leading our lives just like anybody else. It must be nice, though. It never has to come up, and yet you've got that well of wisdom and understanding that you can impart to her her son. Did you say? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. He was he, he was assigned female at birth, and he started testosterone almost a year ago, and he had top surgery. Um, wow. Yeah, in the fall, and you know the kid is he's an amazing kid, and you know we have you know it's an interesting relationship because we have, because I'm you know living with him and, you know, have a relationship with his mom and he's 17 years old and full of testosterone and doing these things that teenage boys do. And, you know, but yet, you know, he's a great kid. And when he, you know, he's moody like a teenage kid, but I'll tell you what, when that kid is on and he's smiling and he's laughing, there's nothing better in the world. And I can see it in his eyes, like how happy he is now. And so it's, it's amazing. Seeing a young transgender person's joy, it's doubly amazing, isn't it? Because it's something that most children that aren't denied that, that feeling of freedom from their whole childhood, they just grow up feeling free and feeling open. To see joy that would have been otherwise completely, you know, denied is amazing. That's like a sort of an alternate reality that you're getting to see the happy version of that child's life. That's incredible. Yeah, and he doesn't take it for granted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, I, do you feel, I, I feel like this, that it, it is quite a gift, really, what we've been given. It's so much struggle, it's so much heartache, but the gift is that we get to analyze ourselves more than maybe other people do so. We get to look a little bit deeper. Um, which does give you more of an appreciation for life. It's like if you quit smoking, you might also think, oh, I'll, I'll, if, since I've quit smoking, I'll also go to the gym. I'll also eat healthy. I think since I've been through this, since I've transitioned, I might as well also try to do wonderful things in my community or, you know, try to set a world record or whatever. You know, it's like you, you, 
we might as well live our lives to 110%. We've already been through the hard bit. Yeah, and that's one of the things I'm, you know, I think a little bit older than you, and I'm, I'll be 48 in two weeks from today. And so that was one of the things as I was grappling with, do I want to come out? Do I want to transition? Do I want to call this gender fluid, be a cross-dresser for the rest of my life? I ended up about two years ago, I read a paper that was a research paper on different transgender and cross-dressing people. And the biggest regret of the 70-year-old, 80-year-old cross-dresser was that they didn't transition when they had the opportunity, either in their 20s, 30s, 40s. And coming into my late 40s, I'm like, I can't be that 70-year-old. And so to be able to have, but I'm thankful for all of my prior life experience that got me to this point. So I kind of view it with you. I'm thankful for the life I had as a guy um, or trying to pretend to be one. And then also I take, I view this as a gift that the universe has given me to be able to transition with all the knowledge of being a 47, 48 year old person and then move forward. And I don't take it for granted. So, you know, in a unique spot, I think, age-wise. I think I'm in a happy medium with it. Yeah, yeah, it is. And the fact that it is becoming more of an open conversation means that you had access to that article, which you wouldn't have had, at, uh, you know, had you been born even that further before. So uh, even further before, sounds like I'm saying you're 100 years old. Thank you're you. I appreciate that, realizing how old I am. <laughs> you're very much in the prime of your life, my dear, and I'm, I'm very happy that this is all working out. This is great. But yeah, the fact that that conversation can be had, you know, that, that trans people have access to that information. It's not something you have to secretly, you know, dig out. It's not a shame-filled thing as it would have been before. That, that's wonderful. And it's really interesting what you said about pretending to be a guy. Of course, it's like when people ask me the difference between transgender and drag performances, I say, well, that's the difference is that drag is a performance. Uh, with transgender people, the performance ends when you stop pretending to be the gender you were assigned at first. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's a hard thing for a lot of people to under, understand. And, you know, I, I've tried explaining this to my parents who are both 70 years old. You know, they, they, this, they look back and see that little boy and because I didn't get caught cross-dressing or I wasn't super effeminate, I wasn't gay as a child in their eye, you know, this makes it hard for them to understand. But yet all these things were underneath there and but I've been able to also tie back some early childhood memories for that as well. So it has helped them. But, you know, it, but it's it's tough for people to understand our experience as transgender people. Like try, I was trying to explain last night to my dad why I didn't want to be dead named anymore. And it's like, how, how do you explain that to somebody? I don't I don't get it. I don't know. Um, but I think he got it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's with the very, very young friends kids that are now you know they're coming out into the world and it's all very wonderful and colorful and exciting and they must feel like the world revolves around them because people are having this conversation all around them i think it's important that we do impart that sense of patience you need to have patience with people it's give and take we got dealt a very unusual hand by nature that's not everybody around us is fault they can uh, employ patients by listening to us and then you know the pronouns start to become more regular and that's wonderful but you've got to be able to reciprocate not everybody got the memo did they when we came out not everybody got an email <laughs> like we have to be able to um yeah we have to learn how to impart that wisdom and i do think that telling jokes might just be up there with the most economic way of doing it you can make somebody laugh they feel more comfortable they're more receptive to hearing about this information 
Yeah, and I also view, you know, not only telling jokes, but the podcast that, you know, I'm producing now, but then also, you Absolutely. know, this podcast also gives us a great political platform. And so we've had on local politicians here from our area. And one of the questions we ask them is, how can government better serve transgender constituents? And, you know, we try to put them on the spot and challenge them on some of these issues, especially bathroom-related stuff in our society. Even though I live in New York and I live upstate New York, which is about 350, I'm 350 miles northwest of New York City, and I live 100, okay. 100 miles southeast of Toronto. So that's kind of, you know, I'm a, I'm pretty much Canadian. So, but, but you know, how how can we tackle these bathroom issues? How because you know why does a single seater bathroom with a lock here in the United States need to read male or female? It just should read, go take a pee or a or a dump and be done with it. Yeah, it should really say one person capacity. <laughs> if, if really, if they think there's going to be anybody else in there, there is a problem. Yeah, you know, we're starting to see signs here on a lot of the single single stall facilities that just say whoever, just go to the bathroom. So those, yeah. are, those are nice to see. I really do enjoy those. The, the logical, uh, say in, in, in inverted commas, the logical arguments behind the transgender bathroom debate it's the absurdity of it it's so uh transparent you can just see that it's all coming from it's a fear-based thing and scrabbling for information and false statistics the absurdity of thinking that somebody would go through such lengths of heartbreak and you know surgical intervention etc to be able to step into one of these bathrooms if somebody was that determined to do so i think they'd just wait until nightfall and do it it's, it's really quite a ridiculous absurdist argument but yes, that's me making light of it to prove a point. It is the, the absurdity, it sort of belies an underlying fear. And you can relate to that fear. Of course, you can relate to that fear um, of feeling a bit uncomfortable. People that are perhaps uncomfortable with their own yeah. gender or sexuality, maybe on some level, will present that fear a lot more obviously. You know, I do sometimes think that people that protest the most, I know it's a very old fashioned argument, but maybe those people would benefit from you know, consulting their soul a little bit and decide maybe they are the ones that um, could benefit from a new outlook on life. I, I would agree with that. And you mentioned too, you mentioned Sparkle early on and that's in, that's in Manchester, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Have okay. you been before? Yeah, I have not been to Sparkle. I definitely, it's on my list of um, events to get to. So um, maybe I'll look at that this year. Um, but I have been, I have been to Manchester and so I'm yeah. trying to remember the bar that's along the canal there and it's in the basement and they do the sing along the show tunes sing alongs. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Great bar. What's, what's it called again? I, well, there's, there's a few along there. I, I would frequent and perform very often at on bar. I don't know if it was on bar, maybe V Viva Vida. Um, yeah. Canal street. I really think it is sort of, it is the transgender capital of the UK for sure. It's a, it's a very welcoming of Manchester as a city as a whole Manchester is quite wonderful for that yeah that's and that was my experience there but you know we you know you go into the bathroom there and it's truly unisex it's like you go in you shut the stall door you come out you wash your hands and you leave and it's men women whoever non-binary yeah. trans it, it didn't matter as long as you just go in use the facilities and wash your hands nobody cared exactly exactly it, it's just it's such like an almost an ancient fear isn't it is to do with you know your private area and the intervention of other people with that is kind of a really old deep-seated fear i think freud would probably have a lot to say about that fear you know it's like it's kind of been everyone it's how we've grown up and been more open um it's a funny one but that's why it's such a rich 
area for comedy. A lot of the transaction and the series going forward, it will deal with that. The first episode is all about the transgender neutral toilet. You know? No, and so, no, and I love, and I think here in the United States, if we actually had bathroom stall doors that were, you know, had the privacy afforded to you that you do in Europe and the UK and other parts of the world, I don't think we would have these issues, but that's a whole nother societal story that we can save for another time. But I want to talk about something a little bit more fun. How does that sound, Jordan? That sounds great. Sure. So you, one of the things that are, you have an amazing set of boobs. Um, you know, I was talking, <laughs> talking to my girlfriend about those today, but you got those in a very public way. So how, how did that experience, how was that for you? And, you know, how did, you know. Yeah, I did. And I, I must say, it's nice to know that uh, news of my boobs has reached, you know, across the Pacific. Am I being silly? Is it the Pacific? No, we're, 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 we're the Atlantic. We're the other pond. The Atlantic. Yeah, across the other pond. Um, yeah, I, I had surgery on ITV's Transformation Street, uh, which is quite, I didn't realize the pun, but we have a show here called Coronation Street. Uh, so that's where that name comes from. It's, um, it was following the lives of a few different transgender people, me and my wife, or, or then fiance. Um, and yeah, I had my surgery then in a, a, a Mr. Englefield of a very sort of prestigious transgender-friendly surgery in London. Um, and it was crowdfunded. My, my boobs were crowdfunded by my uh, 10 years' worth of fans. So I, I always love to say that it, they belong to them, really. They sort of belong to the people now. And if I were able to print up little certificates, you know, like when you buy somebody like a star or an acre of the moon, I'd love to send out little certificates and say, you own a little bit of these now. But the administration, <laughs> it was like a bit of a headache. That's like the Green Bay Packers. That's what they do. They have fake stock and you can just buy like a hundred dollar piece of toilet paper and stick it up on the wall. So, you know, it'd be <laughs> similar concept, but I think the boobs are more valuable than the Green Bay Packers. Just my opinion. Yeah, I, I'm very happy with them. Um, if it's of any interest, I was offered a size bigger and I chose slightly smaller because I think I'm going to be very active. If you remember, I think I probably was jumping around like a bit of an idiot. I needed them to be <laughs> robust enough to survive <laughs> that kind of thing. So uh, I went for sort of sporty ones. Uh, yeah, they were right. I quite liked them. My co-host on my other show, Transformation Thursday, is in the process of um, looking at breast enhancement as well. And I think she's going to go with that same philosophy. She wants something a little bit more sporty so she continue to ride her bike and be active as she gets in further along into her 60s. So that, that's and probably... recovery is much faster. Yeah, the, the, depending on what size you go, the, the lesser and lesser size, the recovery is significantly increased. So I think uh, I would have been recovering for a further six weeks if I'd gone up by one size um, on average. So that, yeah, especially for an older lady, that, that sounds like a good idea. A bit sportier. Well, you definitely, they are definitely beautiful and well-earned, and I will say that. And so, but you also, you, you have some amazing artwork that you post online on Instagram as well. And you really know how to, what's the word am I looking for here? Um, oh gosh, you really know how to decorate them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you for saying that. Um, of course, Instagram and, and Facebook and Twitter, there, there is a, a policy about what can and can't be seen. Um, another fear that I think is quite absurd, but that's for another time. So, yeah, uh, thankfully, we have a massive plethora of emojis to choose from nowadays, don't we? So we nice to decide what's going to go over them. Um, after we filmed Transaction, I, I stole the costume from my character and I did a little unofficial photo shoot. Um, you may or may not have seen me dressed up like that character with various vegetables covering different areas. 
Um, yes, I did. About that because they wasn't supposed to do that, but it's been well received. So there's more of those to come, I think. So how can we how can we find you on Instagram? So let's let's share your show, social media outlets and which ones are your faves. Well, uh, across all three of the of the big ones, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, I am at Pole Dark Friend, which sounds very pretentious. I appreciate, it, but it was my stage name for ten years um, as a singer. Pole Dark Friend, like you will meet a tall dark stranger, but a little bit more friendly. Ah, okay. Um, yeah. And, and I like Instagram for pictures and it being, you know, a little bit scandalous. I think Twitter is a good way to test out jokes and Facebook is where I do most of my business. I think most people do nowadays use social media bookings and such. It's, uh, yeah, I'd love to, I'd, I love talking to people. So if any, if any of your listeners fancy a little chat with a, a silly British twit, <laughs> then please do write me up. I'd love to have a little chat. How do you, how do you separate out people that want a serious chat from let's just say I, we call them chasers here in the United States? Um, how 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 do you deal with that? When you say chasers, you mean uh, sort of transgender admirers that are perhaps a little bit too enthusiastic? Is that what you mean? Yeah, that that's yeah. Uh, I think it's like a game of chess. If they played their their move by two or three turns in, then it's pretty obvious things can turn sexual too quickly. Um, you know, I, I, I like to give everybody the benefit of the doubt, but uh, very... Also, have you noticed this when people just, they just say, hi, you just get a message that says, hi, I'm like, well, that's fine, but what am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> what would you like me to do? I need more information, especially since we're not face-to-face. So if I just get a hi, I assume that it's, you know, it's kind of like fishing, they just put a, a lure in the water to see if I'll bite. But I'm far too busy at the moment, so it's a waste of time. Yeah, and that's, you know, I got one one time and the guy literally asked me if I wanted to go fishing. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, why would I go fishing with you? And he's like, well, because you're pretty. And I'm like, yeah, but I like women. So he's like, yeah. well, as long as I get mine too, I'm like, okay. <laughs> so That's a very strange qualification to go fishing as well. He thinks you'll be very useful because of your attractive, <laughs> you know, physique. You're very pretty. I think you'll be useful in a fishing situation. You can lure them out with your beauty. Yeah, that's um, right. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, if they're a funny bunch. I mean, there's, but then there's the, obviously, the crossover there, that the distinction that's very important to make is that we want, great guys to feel good about being able to say you know it shouldn't feel like an admission a guilty admission it should be a celebration you know i love transgender women um so at the same time as as uh having a little poking a bit of fun at the ones that are too enthusiastic i always want to welcome the ones that are very open and you know just trying their luck and i'll say i'm married but thank you and they say well you know of course that's fine and good luck for the show i have a lot of lovely chats on uh, particularly on Instagram message. I don't know why, but it feels a little bit naughtier. Instagram feels a little bit naughtier than the other one. Well, I try to keep mine G-rated with you, so my girlfriend will listen to this, <laughs> so I just want to be straightforward. You know, I've, I've been totally appropriate. Sure, absolutely. Yes, your diligence is very much appreciated. I think you're a very professional broadcaster, and I am enjoying this a lot. It's nice. Yeah, so real quick, you know, you're 35 minutes in, and I know you're much later than I am, but any parting thoughts on your transition story? You know, what, 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 or what's coming next for Jordan in her fabulous life? You know, I've, I've been very lucky with the, the decisions I've made, the, the choices I've made in within the industry, the entertainment industry. I think I've, I've been lucky enough to position myself as a kind of a go-to uh, transgender person. I'm at least a, a, a tokenistic you can go to this person about transgender stuff. If we need a transgender person on the show, we'll at least ask this person. And then it's my responsibility and duty to 
steer the force in the right direction. Um, so my motivation for the future, I think, uh, is to produce clever, witty stuff that's not broad, you know, that, that puts us in the right light, but also shows that we're all different. Uh, bringing individualism back to the transgender experience, it's not just some blanket of people, you know, we are, we are all individuals and we need to be able to celebrate that. Uh, and uh, maybe a return to music. I don't know if you're familiar with the work of uh, Donald Glover, Childish Gambino, but I'd like a comedy music career if I'm lucky enough at some point to be doing both. Um, and hopefully seeing you again, my dear, that'd be nice. Oh, that, that is just way too kind. I appreciate that. So, I, you know, you're making it much, much more enticing to go home and buy that airplane ticket tonight. So um, don't be surprised if you get a direct message pretty soon saying, hey, these are my dates. <laughs> Absolutely. Please do let me know. We will welcome you back with open arms. All of our lovely open arms. Well, I appreciate that very much. So, well, we are going to say goodnight to Jordan Gray. Good night, Jordan. Good night. Thank you so much. And hopefully speak to you again very soon. All right. And we'll be back to, I'll give you a couple wrapping thoughts here with um, Trans Stories. And we'll be right back. To financially support Transformation Thursday, go to transformationthursday.com and that will bring you to our Patreon page. Once there, click on the Become a Patron button. You can also follow us online on Facebook. You can follow us by searching for Transformation Thursday Podcast. And please join our private Facebook group by searching Transformation Thursday on Facebook. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us at TransThursPod. To make sure you stay up to date with all the latest episodes, please subscribe to the Transformation Thursday Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google podcast or wherever you get your podcasts on apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating and a short review it's free and it does help get transformation thursday out to a larger audience finally transformation thursday is copyrighted material all rights reserved 2020 welcome back to trans stories i am amy stevens and i am your host and my pronouns are she her i really want to thank my first guest this evening jordan gray for coming on this inaugural episode of trans stories as i said i want this podcast to be a place where transgender people get a chance to express their stories in a way that is unique and comfortable for them away from the noise surrounding the transgender experience from our gender critic critics because you know what they're full of shit and we deserve to have our voices heard in society so on behalf of jordan gray i am amy stevens for trans stories and we will see you next time thank you and good night <laughs>